You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by Habs Eyes on the Prize.com. Hello and welcome to Absent Minded. It's Patrick Bexel here, and we're here to talk Player of the Month for February. And I have two very special guests with me, or three. Right, Matt? Because your son is joining us today as well. Yeah, he's he's in the room. He's he's nearby playing with his dinosaurs, so he he might come over here at some point. And obviously, the uh, the North American expert Hadi Kalakesh. Welcome, Hadi. Great to be back. Um, glad to, to to be on again. Yeah, and uh, we're happy you got into your apartment. Obviously, hopefully, it won't <laughs> cost you too much to replace the 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 lock as well. Um, no, I'll be but. Fine. But here we go. It's it's. I mean, like to no one's big surprise. There were a few challenges, but I think everyone was happy to see Cole Caulfield finally getting the Player of the Month award. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was a breath of fresh air to see just the way that he's been playing ever since Martin Saint Louis took over as coach. Like you, you can see he's he's a lot more free. He's uninhibited. He's he's not. Uh, he, he's playing with zero pressure and he's playing a lot more free. And you can see in, in every aspect of his game, he looks better at, at both ends of the ice, particularly, obviously, on offense. I mean, it's not like he was struggling to get pucks on net that much under Dominique Shell. He was doing it, but I, I feel like now he's, he's just a lot more free and, you know, we're, we're seeing the best version of him. Uh, it's coming out in the points too. So great news, great news. It seems like he's yeah. uh, finding better position really compared to, to Ducharme, the Ducharme era, right? Yeah, I mean, in the original press conference that uh, Martin Saint-Louis did, I think everybody loved how he talked about, you know, instead of having systems, he wanted to have concepts and allow his best players to make reads, right? And Caulfield's best part of his game was always finding that soft ice, which I think if you're in a rigid system where it's like you're supposed to be here and then if X happens, you're supposed to move over here, he, did, he didn't have the freedom to just go and find that soft ice like he does now. And now you're seeing him find it. And then putting them together uh, with Nick Suzuki and Josh Anderson has been brilliant. Nick Suzuki and Josh Anderson have been getting very physical in the offensive zone and creating turnovers. And then Caulfield's able to go into that soft ice. There's been a couple of times, like, he could have, since St. Louis took over, by my count, I think he could be up to, like, 12 goals if a couple of those extra turnovers that turned into good shots on net uh, ended up going in. So it's, it's great. It's fantastic. Adi? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing I noticed about Papa's game that's improved since Saint Louis is um, obviously his, his off-puck positioning. Uh, as, as Matt mentioned, it's, it's, there, there's less um, afterthought into it. He's just playing his game, focusing on what he needs to do. Um, but especially if there's a small detail where um, under Ducharme, he, he would actually uh, swing in front of the puck carrier on the short side. Let's say the, the puck's coming up the left side. Uh, whether it was Rem Pitlick or Paul Byron or whoever he was playing on with on the fourth line would carry it up the left side and he would cut in front of them to favor a small board pass. But now he's just staying out wide, finding that soft ice and, and really exploiting his, his strengths. Uh, and I think Caulfield's got ins- like insane, uh, you know, uh, he reads the play very well. So in terms of letting him be free and letting him sort of play his game, without pressure like you would feel under Ducharme that if you make a mistake you'd sit on the bench for five minutes but now he's just hopping right out right out there after a mistake and um he understands it's not at the end of the world what's confusing to me is in a season like we were having under Ducharme where was the pressure um you know there, there's a reason why he felt pressured to 
make plays quicker, put pucks on net. Um, he, would, he would sort of zone in on trying to score. Uh, but under St. Louis, there's, it's like a, there's a lot of weight off his shoulders and he's making reads and, and feeding off his teammates. And he's made his way up the lineup and now he's on the first line with Suzuki and Anderson and things are clicking real well. I took really like what half a game before Martin Saint-Louis moved him up to the first line and moved Arthur Lekkonen down. Uh, a smart move from from anyone's angle, oh, maybe not from the trade value of, of Arthur Lekkonen, but uh, still uh, very very smart and giving um, Cowfield a chance to earn that spot and and really showcase what everyone thought he was going to be when he reached NHL. Um, looking at it, any I mean, like we got the Hamburglar. He he's been great since he came in, but uh, the honorable mention went to uh, Montembeau, right? And and no one can fault that selection either because he's been outstanding in in some of the games we've seen in February. Oh yeah, he'd have a case for Player of the Month himself if not for what Cole Caulfield's been doing. I mean, he's been he's been pretty damn good all season in net for the Montreal Canadiens. Let's face it, there haven't been a lot of games where he really cost them the game. Um, th- there's been definitely games where goaltending has cost them, but in most of those games, they were also getting shelled, getting destroyed in terms of high danger scoring chances. So you can't really blame the goaltender. Multan has been pretty damn good all season, gets his first career shutout actually uh, this month too. So again, he could have been player of the month, if not for what Cole Caulfield has been doing. I think he's been fantastic. I think he's been a big reason why they've been able to string together these five wins. Um, now you could argue whether or not you want them to keep stringing together wins or, and, uh, and hurt themselves in terms of their potential draft position. But, um, I, I think he's been great. I think he definitely deserves the honorable mention and he could have, again, deserved player of the month himself, if not for Caulfield. Yeah. And, uh, I was going to add to that, uh, but game has really sort of, it hasn't changed at all. It's just that the, the team in front of them is giving him a chance as well. You know, he's making big mm-hmm. saves and all that. Um, but at the end of the day, that the structure itself of the Habs has changed drastically. And you can see that in Petrie's game. You can see that uh, in small increments in Kulak's game as well. Um, there, there's there's less structure and more freedom, and it's benefiting everyone on the ice, including the goalie. Um, we can see it in Hammond's play as well. You know, he hadn't played in, in, in what, four years, five years, and he just hops in there and, and makes some big saves and um, gives his team a chance to win. So. Um, I think the structural changes and the structural, you know, the freedom that's been allocated to the whole team has been benefiting everyone. It's just feeding off, you know, in terms of Montembeau's play as well. Yeah. And like, like you mentioned, right. The fact that they're playing better, the fact that they're giving up less of those high danger chances, if you're not giving up 20 high danger chances a game, okay, then it's a lot easier to not give up five or six goals. Right. I think Montembeau's positioning in the net is actually pretty good. It's not, he's, he's no carry price in terms of his positioning in the net, but it's pretty good. And I never thought that he was a problem. It's just, they were giving up so many quality scoring chances. Um, so many cross seam passes. Those are very hard for anybody to stop. Carry price at the top of his game lets in a lot of those goals too. It's, you know, it's the, the change in the team has made it easier for him. And now some of what he's has been doing very well throughout the course of the season is actually benefiting him in terms of his numbers. And also, you know, you play with the confidence, team plays with the confidence after five wins on a trot, you're going to play with the confidence and it helps as well. So the psychology behind everything is is obviously helping out the whole team in general. 
Definitely. It's, it's a different team that we're seeing versus what we had been seeing, you know, under the Uh And again, yes, you know, back to what Hattie, back to what Hattie had mentioned, right. It, it, it boils down, I think, to a lot of that pressure, right. Under the Sham, if you made a mistake, you know, you're riding the bench under St. Louis. If you make a mistake, you're back out there right away. And it's, let's take a look at how can we correct that? How can we improve upon this? Right. And I think that that removing some of that pressure has made everybody again, a, a lot more loose and, um, it's, it's improving the product on the ice and they're fun to watch again, which is great. Yeah. One thing I noticed is, um, Patriot's comments recently about St. Louis, he was talking about, uh, you know, it's, it's fun to come back to the rink again. And I think fun is a really underrated aspect of the team's performance. Um, when, uh, you know, when the, when the training, um, when the training is doing well, when you're having fun in warmups and practice and, um, you know, you're, you're doing drills that are regularly sort of fun to you. Um, the game then becomes a bit easier where you're in the good mindset to get out there and be at your best. And it's really night and day, you know, the, the, the lining up of Caulfield's eclosion, uh, Suzuki getting back on the scoring sheet more often, um, even Anderson, like there's so many small, there's so many individuals on the team that are doing much better under St. Louis than under Duchamp that you, you have to look at the coaching aspect of it and wonder first, you know, Duchamp was brought in really to, uh, to take over the young guys and, and, you know, give them the right environment to develop. And that just didn't work out. I guess there was this expectation that because he coached in junior, because he coached at the world juniors and, and was used to playing with young guys that it would sort of translate to his NHL coaching. Um, but it didn't. And now understanding we, we see a drastic difference and it really boils down to coaching, in my opinion. Indeed it does. Looking at maybe where we would have expected to have someone else in charge. Uh, but uh, for Rocket, it's been an up-and-down season as well. Uh, this month, Rafael Harvey-Pinard is the player of the month. But yeah, and, and it's hard to argue a case against him. But but what does he have? Five goals, uh, four assists, 13 games. He's been really, really good. Yeah, he's... Man, they... Uh, I think... The nickname is what? They call him LaValliger, right? Because he plays a lot like Brendan Gallagher. Just bottomless gas tank, relentless effort. I haven't watched as much rocket hockey as, like, say, Scott or uh, or Jared this season. But when you do watch, the one person that's very easy to pick out is Raphael Harvey-Pinard. Even if you didn't know what number he wore, and I told you, just like, listen, look for the guy who plays like Brendan Gallagher, and you had no idea what number he wore, guarantee you, you're picking him out within a couple of shifts. Because it's very similar. Like, he drives the net relentless effort you know he's hard on pucks in the corner um just that effort level is going to serve him well and i think it's going to make him eventually an nhl player i'd like to see him get a shot with the habs towards the end of the season if possible uh, i think I'd, i'd prefer that that only happen if they start moving out some other bodies if some other veterans are gone and it kind of opens up some spots because i'd rather see him getting those big minutes in laval than getting you know fourth line minutes in montreal but i i think he's going to be an nhl player um, I think the question is, what is his ceiling going to be? I don't know if his ceiling is Brendan Gallagher, but he has a very similar style of play, and I think that's going to benefit him and, and get him to the next level. Yeah, 100%. And um, I feel like if Lekkanen gets moved, and especially if, if the first is available for Lekkanen, I think that move gets done really quickly. And I think Harry Pinar can quickly fill that role um, and, and fill it well. Um, the amount of intensity he's, he shows on a regular basis uh, really sort of resonates with me. And, and that's what's fun is that he was a, I think it was a twice overager when he was drafted. And um, usually in later rounds, you can, you can make those bets. You, you go on, you go for players that 
you think have translatable games. And if you can get an NHL out of, out of a seventh round pick, that's a win in and of itself. I think it's maybe like four or five percent of, of seventh rounders or, or something like that that make it to the NHL um, to start with. And even if it's in a fourth line, fourth line role for the rest of his career, it's still a win because the Habs picked up a twice overager in the seventh round near the end of the draft and made an NHL out of them. So um, it's really been impressive to see him going this year in Laval and see how, how far his game has come as well. There were some shortcomings in terms of his puck handling, in terms of his ability to connect plays at high tempos. But I think that the AHL is a perfect environment for him to just learn those small things and, and grow his game from there. Indeed. And th there are some really interesting guys coming up through Laval. So there's a, quite a bit of competition as well. Um, I, I can definitely see what you guys are saying. If Lefebvre is moved, uh, Pinard is going to be the guy that, that that's going to get the chance and I think that's fair. You know, you... you... Don't trade Lekkonen. Don't trade Lekkonen. <laughs> I, I well, don't want him out. I do not. But it, uh, if, it, if it's for a first, that move gets me. There's no doubt about it. If it's for a first, yeah. But like I wrote about this the other day. And my main beef with trading him is I don't think there's a trade, there's a realistic trade out there, I should say, where the Habs win. Because I don't think anybody's For giving sure. up a first. I don't think he has the offensive totals to justify giving up a first. Is he worth a first? Absolutely. Because you get a defensively responsible forward like that that can play up and down your lineup. He is immeasurably valuable to you, especially if you're a playoff team, right? Especially Getting if you like sign him the night for next year as well. Or Yeah, or... and when you can sign him, he's a, he's a restricted free agent. Um, he's going to come in at reasonable dollar next year. And if you sign him long-term, it's probably going to be pretty reasonable. It's going to be something that you're going to be able to manage Especially it's as not the cap be starts to go when up. he scores the winning Stanley Cup goal for the team that trades for him. Exactly. And that's my beef with it, right? I don't think we're getting a first back. Maybe we get like what I had wrote about before is I think the best we're getting is like the Lars Eller deal. Maybe we get two seconds, and that is a bag of magic beans. We don't know. Are we going to yeah. get another Arturi Lekkinen out of those two seconds? Maybe we do, maybe we don't. And if we do, that player is going to be probably three, four, five years away from actually being Arturi Lekkonen. So for me, it's I think you stick with what you have, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not trading. No, 100%. Um, and it's just for the right price that it happens, I think. And two seconds would make sense. Uh, I'm trying to look up what we got for Lars Eller and which picks we, we, uh, we made with those. Uh, won't be long on that. But yeah, it's really interesting. We we moved one on the for sure as well, didn't we? Or did we get one back for sure, for Eller for sure? I don't know. I it's complicated. I was scared. But uh, we got Definitely. Kevin Poulin as a honorable mention for Laval as well. Uh, fantastic in in uh, <laughs> in his starts this month. It's been an incredible month, and and especially for an ECHL goalie coming into to the uh, uh, AHL and, and getting these starts. 5-0-1 oh, with almost 0.945, almost a 0.95 save percentage. Incredible. And, and another goalie that could have held on for player of the month himself, right? Yeah, and I think 100%. he was considered like uh, almost problematic prior uh, in, the, in the AHL because he had a few games where I remember Scott was like, oh, my God. Poulain's playing tonight. We're going to be concerned and uh, we're, we're going to get shelled. And then all of a sudden he just turns it around and, and starts playing great. So, I mean, it's good news for the Habs, especially with all the problems they've had goaltending wise with injuries, especially up top in the NHL. You know, you have guys that have to step up from the ECHL. So it's, it's good to see somebody be able to step up and handle those, uh, those big games. 
Adi, I'm going to leave the next guy to you, Joshua Roy. It's your guy. You know everything that needs to know. 100%. And uh, I really fell in love with this game this year. Uh, obviously, there's one main thing he needs to work on for me to consider him a blue chip prospect, and it's uh, his skating, his posture, his explosivity, his agility. Really needs a lot of work for him to sort of be able to do what he does at a higher level. Um, but with the right training, with the right staff, uh, that can get resolved. I think the Leafs have shown that a lot with their work with Barb Underhill, that um, they can take a prospect with weaker skating and, and sort of revamp that in a way that's positive. So I'm not too worried about that. But he processes a game at a level and, and, and at a layered level that a lot of players don't have. And it's really something that's really clicked for his game. And um, like I tweeted about recently, he's, he's got the third best point per game rate for a draft plus one prospect um, in, in the last 20 years of the PMJHL. The only two names above him are Drouin and Mantha. So, you know, that kind of level of production, he's doing something right. Even if the skating's not there, he's getting involved defensively. Uh, a lot more than he was in St. John, for example. Um, he he got in game shape uh, during the summer. You really saw him sort of be a different player in terms of his athletic ability, his endurance. He was overweight before the draft, um, and he really turned that around, became really a lot, a lot leaner. Um, that didn't translate to his skating. That's a bit of a concern. But at the end of the day, with the effort level he puts in, with the intelligence he shows on a daily basis, uh, I'm not too worried about why. And if we can get a 0.5 point per game player out of a fifth-round pick, that's a win. So um, we'll see where it goes. Uh, I'd, be, I'd be really interested in seeing what he does next year when uh, his, uh, his, his teammate, Xavier Parent, the person that's you know, feeding off of them the most and receiving most of his passes, Xavier Parent um, is, is going to age out of the league uh, next year. So I'd be interested in seeing where he takes his game from there and how he adapts in the alignments and all that. But um, the fact that most of his points are coming on the power play, that doesn't worry me either because to be a good power play producer, you need to have that solid mind and, um, and, and, you know, his shooting was already great, but then this year he really showed that his playmaking was an even better tool than his shooting. Um, the way he, you know, he, he's comfortable making passes on the forehand, on the backhand. Um, he identifies his target quickly and gets in the pass as soon as he can. And when he needs to delay to open up a lane, he's perfectly capable of doing that. Um, he doesn't only identify problems and solve them, he anticipates them in advance and does the right move in order to make sure that that problem is circumvented completely. So there's so much to like about his game and it's really just about how he takes it from here and how he adapts to, to, to you know, next year and, and, you know, playing with different guys. You know, who had problems skating before, before he, he got to Florida, Archer Lekonen. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know he spent about two years with doing a practice called the macaroni box and I don't know what it is. And I'm asked around to see if anyone can explain it to me, but yeah. So skating, you can work skating. on that. It's, it's easier than any other skill in some ways to get up to a decent level where you can compete at an NHL rink. Um, and the Habs are supposedly hiring somebody. Um, wasn't there a rumor out there that they're hiring like a new skating coach? Yeah, the Toronto... Adam Nicholas. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, like, again, I, I agree with Hattie 100%. That's like the one thing he needs to work on. If he could correct a little bit of issues in his skating if he could add an extra gear as well to have like a little bit more top end speed i mean i i don't know what his ceiling would be in the nhl but i think he's going to make it there i keep saying this every time that i watch his games and i'm putting out gifts of him i think this kid could surprise next year and somehow make the habs i don't know if he'll stay like i i think he'll probably get the nine games next year and then get sent back to sherbrooke 
And luckily, they've also been playing him not only with Xavier Perrin this year, but he's actually been playing uh, quite a bit with Justin Gill. Who And Justin Gill should be back next year. He's only 19, so I think he'll get an overage season with the Phoenix. So he will still have somebody that he's familiar with. Is he going to have the same chemistry that he has with Xavier Perrin? I don't know. But the progression in his game is is fantastic. Like the This is direct from his Elite Prospects page, right? He remains only a shooter, but as he can beat goalies cleanly over and over again at this level, you can't really blame him. He has 48 assists this season in 37 games. So obviously he took that personally. People saying that, oh, well, you're just obviously a shooter. Obviously it's just rebounds that he, he, someone else pots in, right? No, dude. He, <laughs> he had an assist. Um, I forget. I want to say it was against Charlottetown. I, maybe I'm wrong, but I have a gif of it and I can go find it. He was coming behind the net and then he gets the puck and it was like shot around the boards and he kicks it up to his skate and then immediately pulls it up and then flips a, a saucer pass right into the middle. And I think it was Xavier Perrin who, who hammered it home from there. Like he's a very good passer. Like Hattie said, he can do it forehand, backhand. He can take it off of his skate. Like his, his puck skills are very, very good. It's just Ridiculous. if he can up that skating, uh, like Hattie said, then we, we might be looking at an excellent prospect. 100%. Happy to hear that uh, Wyatt is playing with his dinosaurs. Yep. <laughs> well, mom just came home with a new dinosaur too. So now he's, give, oh, he's giving it a hug. All right, that's cool. That's a As a triceratops. Yeah, it's triceratops. He yeah. loves triceratops. As, as, as a geologist, I'm so happy and proud at this moment. <laughs> 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 Going back, and I'm going to keep this very short. Uh, nor European prospect of the month, Friedrich Tichau. <laughs> we're not even making it a joke anymore. We're we're just you know it's it's a fact. Uh, so I'm going to talk about two of the other ones. Uh, first and foremost, Matthias Norlander coming back to Sweden after his long stint with the Canadians, and he's got in Kohlberg. Uh, he's back in in the Kohlberg syndrome, and uh, he lost his spot on the first power play unit. Flona went in and got Anders Bergman, former NHLer, AHL player that uh, they had a chance to sign long term obviously they took that because they didn't know what was going to happen with Norlander so he's been on and off a little bit he's playing more physical I can see that he's taken into the NHL game and and, and the American style of game he's he's more physical he's more uh, pushy around the net so, so I think he's trying himself to adjust into a North American style play uh, but of course, you always miss the the highlight reels as well. Um, and then for 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 an honorable mention this month, Oliver Kapanen uh, getting a few games with Kalpa and scoring two assists against Saipa in in one of the games. Uh, again, time and ice have been very up and down, which is also a bit frustrating with Kalpa being very far down the table and not looking to make the playoffs not even the play in as they say with or the wild card games so so there isn't much happiness happening in in europe as as you all aware not even on the ice uh but yeah it's it's hopefully there will be someone challenging Friedrich for for the next month because otherwise i think uh, he will be the first player to grab all uh european player of the month awards in one year yeah, and I think it's just a lack of, of prospects on that side. You know, we went and got Emil Heinemann, but, um, you know, his, his game's pretty reserved, I think. From what I saw, he, he's mostly a, a defensive winger uh, with some physical elements, um, but I don't you're, see you're, sort of... It's funny sport. that you say defensive when everyone else here in Sweden say offensive. 
So, uh, oh, really? Yeah. From what I saw, he, he was pretty good in his own golf. Yeah. He, he, what I see is these defensive reads are really, really bad. Oh, goodness. All right. I'll and, have to rewatch some tape. And uh, that's what uh, his coach told me as well. You don't want him in your defensive end because then you've done something wrong. Oh, goodness. So he's like Mike, he's like Mike Hoffman a little bit. I would assume so. <laughs> uh, uh, I compared him a little bit to maybe um, Victor Olofsson in, in mm-hmm. uh, uh, more of, you know, staying on the outside. Very good shot. Um, he can shoot through people. Victor Olofsson shoots with accuracy and, and, and precision, whereas uh, Heinemann shoots through people with, with his shot. But yeah, I, I don't really like his defensive game at all. So uh, on the other hand, he got traded to Montreal and then he has a, he's played four minutes and then he has been off the roster for, for five or six games now. Yeah, that's been an issue for sure. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, we're looking forward to see who's wrong and who's right in regards to his development. Uh, I'm not totally convinced about uh, Heinemann. Uh, and as, as some of you heard when we got the trade done as well, when... I think Matt was on that part as well, wasn't he? I was, yeah. It was me and Dylan and Matt, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's. Well, we been... had we had to defer to you on that one because I don't think any of us, uh, maybe Hattie's <laughs> seen him play before. I had not seen him play, so I was relying on the uh, basically the highlights that you had sent us after <laughs> they made the trade uh, to form yeah. my opinion on him. But um, yeah. To be to be honest, yeah, I haven't watched him since his draft year, so uh, his game might have changed a bit. Um, uh, but yeah, I, 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 I really noticed the physical element in the shot mostly than most than anything, but, um, you know, I, I'm still, I'm still sort of reserved about him. It's mostly, you know, I, the, the main piece of that Piccoli trade was the first and I'm excited to see what, um, what Kent Hughes and, and his team do with that. Um, cause in this, this draft is extremely deep. I think until the 50th pick from, from maybe 15 to 50, there isn't much of, of there's, there isn't much separating guys. So, um, It'll be interesting to see what they do with that because there's a lot of options in that range. There's going to be some right-handed Ds, some left-handed Ds, um, a lot of centers. Um, wingers are a bit uh, lower end in, in that range. Uh, I think you, you go it for doesn't them. Matter the we get Slavkovsky anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know who should be in that range actually is uh, one of Joshua Roy's teammates, David Spacek. <laughs> I like him. I like David Spacek. I, I always liked his dad when he was on the Habs too. But I've been taking a look at David Spacek, and I'm I'm interested in him. And I think he's ranked somewhere around 50 right now, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to go and double check that. I've got him right outside the second right now. Um, one guy I'm really interested in that range would be Ryan Chesley, if 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 the, the Habs can pick him up. Uh, he's got some deficiencies, but mostly he's he's the type of guy that if he gets a puck in the defensive zone, you can pretty much bet that it's coming out. So um, we'll, we'll you see have where him- that goes, though. You have Spacek just outside the second, you said? For the moment, yeah. There's just a lot of guys this year that I really, really like. And honestly, I'm having trouble sort of separating them into two rounds because there's really so many guys that could go up to 100 and still feel comfortable. Like all of those guys I'd see being taken in in the second round. So, um, Mm -hmm. like I said, it's a really, really deep draft and there's a lot of options. Um, One guy that I want you guys to keep your your eyes on is Jagger Perkis from the WHL. Um, this this guy, I'm pretty sure will be a very very good NHL forward, but we'll see. He's a bit on the shorter side, but his offensive side is, is really really insane, and um, I can't wait to see where he goes. Uh, he can go anywhere from 20 to to 60 or 70, so uh, we'll see what happens there. 
Well, we like uh, short, offensive-minded players in Montreal, don't we? Short kings, 100%. Especially coaches. <laughs> uh, well, you've been listening to Absent-Minded Player of the Month with Hadi Kalakesh and Matt Drake and myself. And uh, with Wyatt in the background, speaking about dinosaurs. Uh, I feel like <laughs> one now. Um, <laughs> but uh, thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. 